1: Two guys of Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and ScoreNorth.com. Reckless Speculation. Reckless
0: Speculation.
1: Happy Reckless Speculation Thursday, friends, to all who celebrate. It's our friend Darren Doogie Wolfson from the 5 Eyewitness News Sports Department. And you can find him on this podcast, Minnesota Sports with Mackie and Judd, the Scorneth YouTube channel, every Tuesday and Thursday. He also has a Scoop podcast feed where you can find his interviews throughout the weeks and months. And gentlemen, it is a glorious, glorious day. Here comes Doogie. Welcome him in
2: hello our first reckless speculation Thursday of 2024 now I can't wish you guys a yep. happy new Year right Larry David yep. your past, your enthusiasm yeah. limitations yes. it's three mm-hmm. days Declan yes I think January through yesterday but now today January 4th I cannot wish you guys a no. happy new year but it is still a day to celebrate because it's our first reckless speculation Thursday of 2024.
1: Some guy in uh, in the hallway yesterday wished me a happy new year. I'd never met before. It was just his greeting was happy new year. And I was like, I don't know. It's uh, we don't know each other. And it's January 3rd. <laughs> a little questionable. January 3rd
0: it's, it's a fine walk by thing. Like he has no idea your, your name and you don't know his name and nor should you. It's not important. <laughs> we both hit that. We both hit the button. <laughs> I feel like it's I feel like <laughs> a January the January 3rd. Start? Uh, Sooner, next month is yeah. fine. Next month. Can't wait. But this is it. He claims this will be it this time. <laughs> no more. I cannot oh, wait. Oh my gosh. That's okay.
1: Let's let's talk some Vikings here. Let's let's put our speculation hats on here and if we can get into any sort of information Doogie has and what have you. But here's what I want to know. The Steelers, there's some buzz now that like like Russell Wilson's gonna go somewhere else. I saw Talking Heads this morning speculating on Russell Wilson to Steelers. Atlanta has an opening. There's there's the Patriots are probably
2: looking for a quarterback and a coach. Maybe. Have you seen the Russell have a Russell Wilson hit. Vikings speculation? I had somebody well, text al- me at al- 1130 last night asking me if this Russell Wilson Viking steam is legit. What's
1: well, what steam are you talking about? I think about? the steam see is Twitter. There
2: is one of many betting sites yes. making odds, putting the Vikings yep. near the top. Yep. So it is pure speculation. There is zero legitimacy connecting the Vikings, especially after they saw him in person on November 19th. There is zero legitimacy, actual connection, Egan to Russell Wilson. It is a betting site, one of many betting sites, speculating, developing these odds, saying that the Vikings are a logical landing spot.
0: I love... I love Thursdays, and reckless speculation And 2024 is going to, to be a year at which we blow the lid, the top off of reckless speculation. It's, it's going to be. But even <laughs> I struggle. Even I struggle with Kevin O'Connell electing to, like, switch from Kirk to Russell Wilson when it's such a logical step that if you're going to go to a new quarterback, you're going to draft one. And, and like, I understand. Russell Wilson has been treated poorly by Sean Payton. And the Broncos, but all that being said, we've watched him play. Right? This is I'm. This would literally, in my opinion, be Donovan McNabb Vikings 2.0. Uh,
1: well, that's an interesting. It is an interesting cop, guy that was once one of the best quarterbacks in the league. That's in his 30s, and and right. Um, and I'll say this about Sean, Sean Payton and Kevin O'Connell are very opposite personalities, but they have one thing very much in common. They want their quarterback to sit in the pocket and throw on schedule. And if they get off schedule, if they can't make the reads, if they abort mission before it's time, then they get mad. And and Sean Payton gets a little more mad as you saw him lighting up Russell Wilson. But my, let me throw this question to Doogie. And you could like if you want to include Russell Wilson, by the way, has offset language in his contract. So he's probably going to sign somewhere for cheap. And the Broncos are going to be on the hook for a big chunk. So the, the question would be more about like if you could get Russ for five million dollars or something. But my question to you is, how do you think the Kirk Cousins discussions and path are gonna are gonna look in the next three months? Do you think do you think the Vikings and Kirk Cousins are probably talking in the next couple of weeks? Do you think Kirk and his representatives want to get into a bidding war with four other teams like? How do you think that road looks the next three months with the Vikings and Kirk Cousins?
2: Well, I think there'll be some decompressing taking place throughout this month. Let's presume the season ends on Sunday, doesn't go beyond Sunday, that the Vikings don't somehow miraculously make the playoffs. So, season ends Sunday. I think both parties will end up decompressing for a while. Things will ramp up dialogue-wise sometime in February. Mid-February makes sense. Then they will all convene in Indianapolis. The combine hasn't moved locations, right? It's still in Indianapolis. I know there was some chatter at some point of moving locations, but the 2024 NFL Draft Combine, which will begin at some point in late February, usually extends into that first week of March. So everybody league-wise, Mike McCartney, who is Kirk Cousins' agent, certainly everybody from the Vikings front office will be in Indianapolis. So they then can pick up Talks in person and we'll get close to that march 13th deadline which to me is legit based on what we laid out on tuesday to see if they can hammer out a deal i do think the vikings will have a price point that they're not willing to exceed some price point i don't know exactly what that price point is i'll be digging over the next handful of weeks maybe i'll find out maybe i won't but i do think there is a price point that the vikings will not exceed but that there is going to be plenty of interest in re-signing kirk cousins
0: okay let's back up for a second here because I guess my question is this, how how much do we think the um, Achilles injury has changed things? Because, you know, when Kirk cousins, Kirk cousins wanted to most definitely be extended last March and they couldn't agree, which is fine. But I remember asking Kirk then in the, in one of the off season press conference camps he did about, you know, I think it was in April or may. I said, have there been further discussions? It it was may. And, And he said, no, he said, "Now that this is past, we're going to get through the season. My sense on that was, and Dukes, I think you're right, I think they will definitely talk in February before the league year arrives. But my sense was they also wanted to at least get to to the combine where teams will express interest well where where they'll they'll have a much better idea of the landscape of Kirk's future potentially elsewhere. They don't need to get to the start of the new league year in March. they need to get to the combine. So how much do we think the Achilles has changed that? Because I'm not sure it's changed it as much as we think. And look, if the Vikings come off the top rope, yeah, I think Cousins is back. But I think that there's also a very good chance that if they waited this long, that they are at least going to find out what the price of poker is going to be elsewhere besides just with the Vikings.
2: So what you're suggesting is even if he hadn't torn his Achilles, okay, so he's looking at, you know, $40 million plus per year that you're saying now with the torn Achilles, that maybe the contract looks comparable. Is that what you're alluding to, Judd? That some team is going to blow him out of the water regardless that the Achilles really isn't that much of a hindrance when it comes to negotiations?
0: I'm alluding to the fact that I think that they want to get to the combine to wait and see on that very question.
2: Well, sure. Well, and, you know, I mean, you heard Chris Collinsworth on Sunday night alluding to Kirk Cousins plans on running in February. You know, that's strategic, right? That he wants to show teams that he is moving just fine. Now, we know that he's not using his legs anyway, that he's a pocket passer, right? So, you know, to me, the Achilles was never any sort of death sentence, right? But he wants to show that, hey, the recovery is going really well. So strategically, there will be video maybe on, you know, one of his social media platforms sometime in February of him running. That is the next progression in his rehab. But sure. Yes, the Vikings will be taking the temperature in Indianapolis, trying to figure out okay, will the Atlanta Falcons offer him $44 million a year? That we can't touch that sort of number. Maybe there's another team, right? But to me, the Falcons are a logical landing spot. There are others, but that would be one I would keep an eye on, right? So I'm just saying, I think there is a price point. I don't know what that price point is, Judd, right? So, like, what's the number that the Vikings won't exceed? And thus Kirk cousins is going to leave come, you know, second or third week of March.
1: Yeah. I, the more I think about this too, with all the other options out there, and this is, this is what I was getting at to start the show too, I guess is the Steelers are out there. They there's other teams. If the Vikings are kind of like, we want you back kind of a bridge situation. We might draft Michael Penix. I think if you're Kirk and there's other options and suitors out there and a couple of them might just unequivocally say you are our guy for the next two years and we aren't drafting a quarterback in the first round this year, that's going to be appealing to him, right? I want to know, am I the starter for the next couple of years? The Vikings might not be able to offer that assurance. So that's, that's the first thing. The second thing is, if you're the Vikings and you decide, okay, you know what, we are going to commit to Kirk Cousins again because, dang it, we love the way he was playing. He took his shirt off and riled up the crowd, and people love him, and he's a nice guy, and we're going to give him the two years. We're, we're going to draft defense, and we're going to push forward. He's been here for six years. They haven't made the playoffs in back-to-back years in in his time here. They have one playoff win, and it was back in 2019-20, January 2020. And now some people are going to argue, well, wait a second, they were getting hot when he got injured, but that was still a long road to making the playoffs. Maybe they get the extra win, but can you convince me if they commit, all right, we're not drafting a quarterback, two years of Kirk Cousins, can you convince me that
2: things are going to be different than they have been the last six years? No, I mean, I think that they're stuck in middle purgatory. That if Cousins is back, they certainly would be competitive in 2024. We're talking about another 8, 9, 10-ish win type season, right? That, yes, you know, if a couple things go their way, that they make the playoffs. But you look at the landscape of the division, is there a pathway, a logical pathway to winning the division? We can have that debate. Now, I will tell you, I think the marriage with KOC – Right? So 13 wins a year ago. Yes, losing the first round, but 13 wins. I think they make the playoffs if he stays healthy, Phil. I think they still beat Atlanta. They beat New Orleans. Probably win the Denver game. Probably win the Chicago game. But I think they would have made it. Not division champs, but six seed, seven seed. But if your ceiling is first round playoff loss, what's the point? But I'm just telling you, the Wolves. I just I need evidence that they're willing to say you know what let's not do this let's not pay him let's take a step backward if if in twenty twenty four we're you know a four win five win type roster maybe exceed expectations but entering the year it just doesn't look that good right on paper I just I need that evidence Phil I really do I just haven't heard it seen it going back decades now with the yep. Wilfs in charge.
1: You also, because you kind of slipped in the old, like, are they willing to take a step back thing? And that's another thing I would challenge the Wilfs and anyone else having this conversation.
2: Well, sure, but the time to do that was when they made the transition, right? Zimmer out, Spielman out. That was the ideal time, right? If you were going to hit the reset button, wasn't that the time?
1: But that's not what I'm saying.
2: I'm, I'm pushing back
1: at the notion that drafting a quarterback is a guaranteed step back. It was a step forward for the Texans. If you hit on the right guy, this is where we're all stuck again in Christian Ponder, Tavares Jackson, Teddy Bridgewater blew his knee out like we think based on the history of this franchise and quarterbacks in the draft. We think draft a quarterback means they're probably going to be crappy and the team's probably going to win five or six games and look around the league. There's a lot of guys and a lot of teams that draft a quarterback. And they're really good still, or they take a step forward because they finally found the guy, right?
2: I'm not dismissing that, right? I mean, that's why, to me, there's a price point. So, you know, if Kirk is not willing to play poker on that price point, Kirk is going to be elsewhere, then yes. I mean, I think there's a chance Kirk is back, and they draft a quarterback. I've laid that out, right? Draft a quarterback very high, but there's also a chance that, okay, Kirk thinks or knows, right, through his representation, through the scuttlebutt at the combine, the tampering that takes place, that, okay... Like, the Vikings are willing to do this, but the Falcons or the Steelers or you name whoever it is, they're willing to exceed that number. You know, I'm still in a finite amount of time to maximize my earning potential. I'm going to take the biggest payday. As much as I like it there in Minnesota, I am leaving for, for the biggest paycheck. So I'm not dismissing that. Then you draft a quarterback, you know, likely in that scenario, first round. That guy starts from day one. And, yeah, maybe it is C.J. Stroud-esque. Or something along those lines where, yeah, you can make a run. When you still have Justin Jefferson, Jordan Addison, you have, to me, you know, you wouldn't say it coming off Sunday, right? But a productive offensive line. You certainly feel really good, especially when Brian O'Neill is healthy, like the ankle was bothering him on Sunday. But when you have O'Neill, Derisaw, right, you feel good about those tackles. You feel really good about the offense. And with Brian Flores likely back, I just think with the pending litigation, it's going to be really hard for him to get a head coaching job. So. I think Flores is back in 2024 this year, right? So you feel good with him running the defense. You make some tweaks. You know, I think you re-signed Neil Hunter. You know, some other things that, sure, you don't need to take a step back. I'm with you, Phil. I'm not dismissing that idea, not at all.
0: All right. I would like to recklessly speculate about a an act in two parts, you guys, because I think I've given this a ton of thought. We talked about the, the fact that the the – Uh, voiding in the void years in Kirk's contract, basically give him a a hammer. Because as you said, your friend Joel Corey said that if this thing goes into the league year and Kirk comes back here, then everything counts, including the dead cap hit and Dukes. That becomes a huge problem. In fact, I don't think that's a doable problem. So here's where the Vikings, I think, need to take a stand. And this is where it's an act in two parts. It is free agency in the draft, but it's very clearly defined, I think, here. If you think about this, okay? You go to the combine where where you always sit down with agents for guys that you're interested in, and probably more importantly, your own guys that are about to hit the market. You go to the combine and you basically set up a day where you meet with Kirk Cousins' agent, Mike McCartney, and with Daniil Hunter's agent. And you say, Okay, guys, Justin Jefferson's re-signing here. And and let's forget this hogwash about well he might not re- he ain't playing in the fifth year option and taking a chance of being hurt okay so Jefferson's a given I think that's one of the silliest things I've heard but what Who you said say that? is yeah
2: I mean I see them giving Justin oh, Jefferson fans, a monster monster very, contract
0: fans are very concerned about something mm-hmm. they shouldn't be but anyway mm-hmm. what you can say is hey we have only so much to spend and Kirk or in in this case Mike McCartney. You know damn well that we're not going to sign Kirk one second after March after uh, 2 p.m. Central Time on March 13th because we ain't paying all of that and void years. But we have X amount to spend, and this is what we will give you. You say the same thing to the Hunter Camp, and if the Kirk Camp's like, "Oh no, no, we want to explore things way more. We can't." No, you Which say, they "Okay, should. they should." Yes, and but then you say, "Here's your deadline today." to make this decision, or here is your deadline, you know, before March 13th. And same thing for the Hunter camp. We need to know because then the act in the second part to me becomes crystal clear. It's the draft, right? So like now, if, if your, if, if your deadlines March 1st and Kirk's camp is like, Oh no, we are exploring everything. And Hunter's camp is like, Oh, hell we'll sign. Then you say, okay, that's great. We now are going to draft a quarterback. And in to the conversation that we've had before, depending on if you lose to the Lions, you could very possibly say we're going to try and move up more and draft a quarterback that we like more than, let's say, at the 10th pick. So I I actually think you're just going to have to, if you're Kwesi, if you're the Wilfs, if you're Kevin O'Connell, you're going to have to have Cajones here. But you've got to draw some deadlines because the worst thing that you can do is allow, for instance, the Kirk Cousins camp to dictate what your move is and to potentially screw you, you have to be the aggressor here. And I don't think that's being a jerk. I think it's being realistic, and it now gives you a clear-cut path. Right or wrong, it gives you a clear-cut path.
2: I get the hard deadline on Kirk. Why on Daniel?
0: Because I want to know where I'm going to spend my money. Okay, I'd but, like he's, but he
1: wants to hit free agency and talk to other teams.
0: Yeah, no, so I know
1: you're not. You're not going to
2: strong arm Daniel. Yeah, I don't think you're strong arming Daniel. Exactly.
0: Well, I would like. I mean, to I mean, I can see Daniil back
2: here after March 13th. I guess is what I'm getting at.
0: Yeah, that that's a possibility. But my only point here is, I think you can create clarity if you do it the right way, uh, especially with Kirk, and then and and therefore your quarterback going forward. I think that's the most important thing to me.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, I get where you're coming from. I don't know if it's necessarily cojones. I mean, to me, it's what you have to do, right? Like, you're in the GM chair. You need to have clarity, right? So I don't think it's about having cojones. It's about Kwesi doing his job, which I fully expect him to do, right? You need to have that clarity, right? So I understand it on Kirk. I don't think you're necessarily playing hardball with Daniel, though. I really don't. Yeah, that's um, that's a – I mean, I can't stress enough. He loves it here. Brian right. Flores thinks the world of him. I think I'm telling you, the money is in the ballpark, and I get it. Like that second contract, that was a mistake. Daniel could have cashed out way more so, right? Yeah. So maybe he's trying to make up for the lack sure. of, you know, earning power there. I mean, he made plenty, but he could have made so much more with that second contract, right? But if it's in the ballpark, whatever that is, top seven type pass rusher type money, that he will be back, that he really, really likes it here, that they really, really like him.
1: Well, let's let's speculate on one of the, the biggest reasons why he might come back. I just opened up a CBS Sports article here that listed the top head coaching candidates for this year's cycle. And Vic Fangio pops up on the list and Steve Spagnuolo. He was the Rams head coach from like 12 years ago. Are you serious? He's back on the list. Yeah. Dan Dan <laughs> Quinn. Jim Schwartz, who's doing a great job as the wow. Browns defensive coordinator, is back on a list of <laughs> candidates. There's obviously the the coordinators we've talked about with Detroit. Brian Flores is the number one name on this list on CBSSports.com. The defense has dropped off a little. Maybe it's not the worst thing, that the defense has dropped off a little at the end. I don't think that would be like the final straw. Like, you know what? We really loved your the 10 hours we spent with you today, Mr. Flores. But your defense got a little shaky there in week 17. So we're probably not going to hire you. Um, but I, I do wonder, I guess, what is the percentage chance that he is back as defensive coordinator for one more
2: year with the Vikings? It would be nice to have him back. Yeah. I mean, think. the elephant in the room is agree. the pending litigation, right? I mean, without the pending litigation, I mean, he's got a compelling case, right? I mean, like to me at some mm-hmm. point, Brian Flores is going to be a head coach again. I don't necessarily think it'll be this coaching cycle though. I think there's a better right. chance he's back with the Vikings in 24 versus being a head coach somewhere else.
0: Yeah. And I, I think part of the problem too is one, you, you do you're exactly right. You're suing Roger Goodell basically. So that that's going to make it tough. I mean, there was a the part of me N- a couple
2: of weeks ago that thought maybe the new ownership group in Washington wouldn't give a bleep club. Now you could. Yeah. And you could also make the case that they're new, like they're not going to rock the boat. Right. Right. But there was a part of me that thought maybe Washington, but, but the more I think about it, Ron Rivera, defensive background, you're going to go right. with an offensive coach,
0: right? That's what with I was Washington. going to say is is you you guys, drafting and a quarterback. I, I think we did this a couple of weeks ago, but look at the jobs that we expect, unless there's a, a big surprise. Look at the jobs that we expect to be open in the coaching cycle, and you tell me where does Brian Flores, like, a good fit. Like the Patriots, but Belichick was a defensive guy, and I think the Patriots are going to draft a quarterback, and I think that, you know, the the hires de jour – Right now, are offensive guys, right? I actually think so, Char-
1: I actually think Chargers would be a good fit, but they're moving off a defensive guy. But, Jim Harbaugh is probably their number one right, target, and, right?
0: And I think they, I think they want a guy that Herbert like can work with Justin Herbert, don't you? Makes I mean, sense. Herbert's Absolutely, been, makes Herbert's sense. been
1: doing fine. The defense has been the biggest problem in San in uh, San Diego in L.A. with the Chargers. Right. Herbert's largely one of the best quarterbacks in the league. I think, like to the point though. Flores is going to probably need a ready-made, I doubt if you're going to hire him and then draft a quarterback. Washington's right. a good example. They might draft a Hell, there's a bunch of mocks that have Washington trading up to the number one to draft Caleb Williams. Do you put him with Brian Flores, seeing what happened with Tua? correct. <laughs> so he probably needs a veteran quarterback, so I, I agree with you guys on that front.
2: Let me throw out, though, I mean, don't you think there's going to be at least one surprise Right? Does Dallas go belly up in the playoffs, So does the Dallas job open? Now, if it does, maybe they just promote Dan Quinn. Quinn, yeah. yeah or if Belichick thing. is out in New England, do they somehow make some sort of trade for Mike Vrabel so Tennessee is then open? Now, I get it. I mean, Tennessee would have to be offered a lot. They're not just going to yeah. allow Mike to leave, right? But I would think the Patriots' number one choice would be the Titans' coach, Mike Vrabel. So... If Tennessee opened, although maybe you would go offense, Will, right? With Will, yeah, Levis. Will Levis is going to yeah. need some
1: molding. You know, yeah. it's kind of,
2: yeah. It's, I mean, it's hard. not that yeah. many. But I still think the elephant in the room with, you know, ensuing suing the league. I just yeah. don't know if there's an ownership group willing to take a chance like that right now. Eventually, but not right now.
1: Hey, before we dig deeper into uh, Doogie's scoop bag here, a shout out to our friends at Zero Res, helping you breathe a little bit more fresh air in your home. A deep clean would be great as part of your reset to start 2024. And Zero Res is here with the Score North special. Get three rooms zero resified, starting at just 100, $119. And this month, you can get $75 off when you get your air ducts cleaned as well.
0: Ah, oh, God. air ducts. Air ducts Very being clean is absolutely imperative. Oh, Very important. It's the best.
1: You have to ask for the Scornorth special at ZeroResMinnesota.com or 9520RES. Spell it forward or backward. It spells the same. Zero res. All right, dudes. Where else do you want
2: to go here? Well, you asked me after the opening game of the Wolf season in Toronto, is it time to push the panic button? I said no. I'm wondering if you're thinking the same thing right now after watching the game Monday in New York. And last night at Target Center against New Orleans. You're you're about to ask me if it's time to push the panic button.
1: I'm not. I mean, it's, I love how we've got, like, think about how far we've come watching this basketball team over 30 plus years. They just lost their first set of back-to-back games two months into the season. Right. And we're like, whoa, my God, the the Timberwolves lost two games in a row. I get it. It, The the way they're losing and even the way they were winning some of those games the last couple weeks. It's a funk. It's a funk, but. It's December. They got off to a great start. And part of getting off to a great start is you can weather, you know, a three-week bad stretch against really good teams, by the way. So I'm not there yet. I'm still very level-headed and calm. I'm curious where you guys are at. Yeah, I mean, I'm right there with
2: you. I mean, there's no reason to even call it any sort of really bad stretch. I agree, though. I mean, Chris Finch alluded to this with us at practice the other day that, hey, if you go back a couple weeks, we're just playing average basketball. Like that's the way he yep. termed it, I'm paraphrasing slightly, but even Chris Finch said, and you can watch the games, right, with all the turnovers, the offensive issues they have, right? That yeah, I mean, you know, heck, you catch a break last Thursday with no Luka Doncic playing for Dallas, so maybe that game is different if Luka ends up playing, right? But just Finch said, "Hey, we just we haven't played good basketball going back a couple of weeks, but they're 12 games into this 16-game stretch of playing all teams above 500, 7 and 5." So even after these two losses this week, 7-5. and five. Now you finish four games on the road at Houston, at Dallas, at Orlando, at Boston. I think you end up winning at least one, if not two. So I think you end up having a winning record over this 16-game stretch. Phil, you're right. You build up enough equity you know, through November into early December, where I'm telling you, they would have to go very much belly up the rest of the year to not finish in the top four of the Western Conference. Now if you want to say, hey, the ceiling should be Championship. Let's think about June, them hoisting the Larry O'Brien trophy. Fine. I'm okay with that when you're the number one seed this late into the season or almost at the 50% mark of the season. I think it's at least, you know, okay to have that conversation. But to me, the ceiling is find a way to finally win a playoff series. It's been 20 years, right? 04 was the last time. Find a way to win a playoff series. And we know even after last night, that was only their second home loss of the season. Target center is a legit home court advantage. I was there for that Dallas game. The buzz is there. Find a way to have home court advantage in the first round. I'll take the Wolves' chances to win at least one playoff series. But I'll also tell you, New Orleans, when fully healthy, call me nuts. Maybe it's OKC, but New Orleans fully healthy might very well be the best team in the Western Conference. Yeah. Certainly the deepest. I mean, they can play. I mean, Trey Murphy didn't even play last night. I mean, they can go legit 13 guys deep.
0: So, the difference here, you guys, is this, though. So, I and and I get it. Okay. The Wolves have played two bad games, but the difference, in my opinion, and they might not be playing great basketball, but if you want them to make a playoff run, you want them to go through this. There is nothing that is that spells death in sports, in my opinion, than a season that doesn't have some true turbulence and adversity because you get because the playoffs cause that. Like, you can't avoid that and And you have to learn a team like this has to learn how to weather a storm. I think we associate a storm with being a horse bleep, and look the wolves were horse bleep for a long time, right? but that's not this team like this team we've seen it. they have talent, they are when they're firing they're they' they're good. um you want this like you don't want this for a month, but you want like a stretch where it it's where they have to fix things. Because I've seen this before in basketball, h- hockey, especially when you get to the playoffs and you've had just a smooth sail. You know, you might have lost a couple games in a row here and there, but for the most part, there's been nothing wrong. What happens? You inevitably hit those problems in the playoffs, and now it's like, well, well, we didn't do this before. What do we do? So I would argue that this is actually a good thing and part of the maturation process. Doesn't mean it should last a month, but it does mean. That if you got to April playoffs started and it's been like, huh, hey, there's nothing went wrong, that's a great way to get bounced, I think. So I, I actually appreciate this, and I'm going to assume this team is good enough to turn it around quickly enough where it doesn't become this massive problem.
2: Yeah, I mean it's a good argument. I will say though, so Chris Finch, and I think he is a brilliant offensive mind. I actually thought last night, shot selection wise, looks wise, I thought it was decent. Like they just they missed a make or miss sport, right? Last night, I liked a lot of the shots they took. They just didn't make them. But you go back a few weeks, even overall. Like Phil, I don't know if you have net rating handy or even offensive rating. I mean, where are they offensive rating wise? Sixteenth, uh, seventeenth, eighteenth in the league. Like nineteenth or twentieth. Nineteenth or twentieth. Okay, so net rating but wise, like, I mean, when when Ant that puts on, them on below offense, the top three or four
1: on offense. When Ant is on the court, it's a top ten. 10- Offensive net rating. When Ant is off the court, it's well outside the
2: top. 20. I mean, probably close to bottom five. I would imagine. I mean, maybe not quite that, but I would imagine below I think it's twenty. Twenty seventh. Yeah. Right. So I just I wonder, right? Because Chris Finch is such a good offensive coach, but we haven't seen that come to fruition. It's a lot of free flow. Maybe there needs to be a little bit more structure. Heck, it would help if Kyle Anderson could make a shot. Although, I wonder. Like he hasn't admitted this, but that eye surgery he had after he took the poke to the eye the accidental poke see to the, the eye anymore? but he's like cute. there's two hoops i just wonder right if the vision like shoot at the
1: one in the middle kyle is
2: not this bad a shooter to make yeah, one three weird. over the course of a month what is he shooting yeah. from three point range 12% it's really bad but even yeah. his two point shots i just i know kyle's a better shooter and i know he's not out there to score to shoot the ball it's his passing decision making it's his defense right but that one is that one is weird to me so that doesn't help the offense but I just I worry a little bit about the trend we have been seeing with the offense when I know that Chris Finch is such a good offensive coach.
1: I'll let uh I'll let our mutual friend Craig Kilborn have the final word on this. Coincidentally, he literally just sent a text 5 minutes ago when we started this discussion and said, "We need a third scorer just so
2: you know." Dot dot dot
1: Well, I mean, I was watching Jamal Crawford still available. Who can we get to come in here and microwave Jamal's in
2: phenomenal shape? In fact, that's a good (laughs) reminder. I want to get him on the podcast soon, but like I was watching, don't ask why, but I got home late last night. I flipped on Detroit, Utah that ended up going to overtime and I was watching Bogdanovich for Detroit, right? And you think about the chemistry he has from Utah with Mike Conley, with Rudy Gobert. Hmm. I don't know how you get him. It's a lot of money you probably need to part with. Kyle Anderson, would Finch really want to do that? You want Kyle Anderson, I think, for the defense and the decision-making in the playoffs, right? But to make the money work, I think you would have to part with Kyle Anderson, plus more. Like, you probably need to give up a Leonard Miller, who last night for the Iowa Wolves, 35 points. Like, you just, you watch clips, and I get it. Clips don't tell the whole story, but Leonard Miller can play. Like, to me, he's a rotation guy as soon as next year. And hey, don't forget, he played for the G League Ignite last year. So he got G League minutes last year, played well. So, like, I'm not surprised he's dominating in a second year in the G League. But, like, you probably need to part with a guy like Leonard Miller if you're getting Bogdanovich. But, like, you think about the possibility of a Bogdanovich helping this team. I mean, answer Craig's inquiry. I mean, that to me would be the guy more than just about anybody who's realistic, even though I still think it's tough to acquire Bogdanovich. But he would be the guy. My my idea is
1: Bogdanovich. Bogdanovich. (laughs) I'm going to give it to Dukes. Bogdanovich. (laughs)
2: Although, say, Duke says it's not the easiest trade to actually complete. But, like, I think okay. Detroit ends up moving him. But, like, I think a Monty Morris from Detroit is more realistic. I mean, I think Tyus would help, but I don't think he's, like, the ultimate scorer. But Tyus is a good three-point shooter. Like he's not going to turn the ball over, right? So assist-to-turnover ratio. We talk about Ant, you know, needing to take that next step. And he's 22, right? I can't wait to see Ant as a 25- or 26-year-old. But to truly be one of the 10 best players on the planet, he's not there yet. That assist-to-turnover ratio has to be better.
1: Yep. He is getting to the line more, which mm-hmm. is good. His he, It's like 10 attempts
2: per game the last, I think it's more than that, the last five or well, six Well, and games. it may even have to be more at times, right, if he gets the whistle, although I don't think the officials really like it right now. Too much clapping yeah. at them. He has to control does, himself. To, yeah, yeah. But, but, I mean, he's to me, it's Bogdanovich, night, but... right? I mean, I don't know what he yeah. ended up finishing with last night, but Bogdanovich on any given night can get you 25 to 30, right? I mean, he can make six or seven three-pointers. Right, So to me, of logical guys, that would be the guy.
1: I love it. Hey, we got a run here. Give us like a minute of uh, whatever you have left in your rapid fire scoops pouch,
2: Dukes. Yeah, so Dorian Singer, good receiver, had a good run at USC this year with Caleb Williams, was at Arizona before that, played at Tartan High School. So that's the local connection. He is in the transfer portal as of about 48 hours ago or 24 hours ago. Anyway, the Gophers have interest, but I think it'll be a tough get for the Gophers. I know Penn State also has interest as does California. Fun times at the X on Saturday with the new women's professional hockey team. Why they don't have a name is beyond me, but things are trending toward them setting an attendance record. I know that they sold some tickets coming off last night into this morning. The record was just set, what, a couple days ago in Ottawa. So they are looking to exceed, like, what, 7,700 people or 8,000 people? But anyway... They've already advanced, sold like 7,500 tickets. So they are on their way to setting an attendance record in St. Paul on Saturday afternoon. So good times. Our mutual friend, Joe Anderson, doing some work with that team. So it's love the fact that Mr. Judd fun is having fun. some fun. Yep. We're,
1: we're, we're going to be reunited.
0: We're Instead talking sports because we know it's fun. <laughs> know, know a ton. Know a ton? No, okay. a ton. If we're talking sports <laughs> because we know a ton. Please get the lyrics right. Sorry. Sorry. I play it on loop <laughs> every day. I walk around the house. And then congratulations, Amazing.
2: Judd. You get your wish. The World Junior's coming. The official announcement tomorrow. I think oh, Jess yeah, Myers, our yeah. mutual friend, had the initial scoop. But oh, we'll get the official scoop, announcement tomorrow. XL Energy Center, Mariucci Arena, or excuse me, 3M Arena at Mariucci starting December of 2025. But look for that formal announcement tomorrow. Boom. And there
0: he is. And quickly, some games elsewhere as well around the state. The preliminary round is going to be played around the state. So they, like, we might dip into Duluth, Little St. Cloud. We don't know yet. Very exciting.
2: Should be good. Yeah, I know you're loving it. So, yeah, absolutely. Have a wonderful weekend, boys.
1: All right. Bye, see you, dudes. Judy okay, Wolfson every Tuesday and Thursday here. A little reckless speculation Thursday for you guys today. Over on Purple Daily, we will dive into uh, Quarterback's Been a big topic this week on Purple Daily. But there's one other major thing with the offense that they absolutely face planted on that we need to talk about today. That's on Purple Daily. See you guys.